trees and the they're, they're burnt oranges and brilliant reds and yellow mixed with greens. And Lord, it's, I saw that this morning. I just want to praise you and thank you for this beautiful. The earth is yours and everything in it, everything, even all the people. We thank you for time. It's a sweet gift, Lord. The days of our life is passing, going, going, almost gone, Psalm 90. We thank you, Lord, for the wonder of the treasure of the gospel, and it is a treasure. Thank you for our Bibles that teach us of our wonderful Savior. We think of uh, the fact that you are great, but more than that, Father, thou art good. and Your goodness is most wonderfully seen in your love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we pray the Spirit of God would join us this morning in a special way, and as we celebrate uh, certainly what you have done in our hearts and lives as a church family these seven years and more, and we're excited as we look forward to a new chapter, and we march forward uh, by faith, keeping our eyes fixed upon you. We're the little boy with a lunch, and we give our lunch and the fishes to you, knowing that little is more than enough when you're in it. And we want you to do something so great that only you would get the glory. We prayed for years, Lord, that you would give us a place on a main thoroughfare uh, where a cross for Christ could be seen by all that would pass by, and, and they would know that here is a people that love the Lord Jesus and are serving him. And you gave us, Lord, a year ago that property, and amazingly, Lord, what a property, in the middle of a growing neighborhood, if you should tarry, and, and we just pray, Father, that we'll uh, trust you and walk forward and, and give ourselves in a renewed sense to the work of the Lord as we make disciples of children and young adults, as you grow the church and we develop ministries, Lord, developing our youth, our missions, our small group, as we make a great impact on our, on our local community here. There are so many that have all sorts of needs, and we want to be there, to be the hands and the feet and the presence of Jesus to our neighbors here. Oh, we pray for that increasingly, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for this day, and pray that you'd open the Word and teach us Search our hearts. May we put sin far away, and may we recommit ourselves to serving you. And if there be those here that have never trusted Christ, open their heart and save them today, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Please take your Bible and turn to Luke's, uh, the Doctor's Gospel, chapter 17. It's a, it's a text that through the years I've come back to from time to time. Just seemed to be so apropos as uh, this is our next uh, uh, paragraph in this glorious gospel of certainty on this final day here um, uh, of God's uh, wonderful provision for us as a church. I remember that we sat here, a number of us coming from the Radisson. Radisson was chapter 1. This is chapter 2, and chapter 3 are, is, uh, lays before us now a brand new beginning. We sat here wondering how in the world could we ever 
uh, have a place like this and the expense of that and, and uh, would God bless that? And then the, then the opportunity came after a number of years to expand with two more suites and a total of five suites at that point. And I'm here to say the Lord has carried us all the way. We've had weddings here, we've had memorial services, we've had people trust the Lord, we've had points of high celebration, as John mentioned, coffee houses, we've had youth gatherings, we've had all sorts of, we've had breakfasts, and we've eaten far too much at points next door, and uh, we've been a part of uh, all of this as a lighthouse of the gospel, and it's been a joy, it's been my joy and privilege. And so our text today of entitled, Don't Be a No-Show, as I looked at this text, and I've titled it otherwise in the past, and once this way, it just shouts to me, uh, and it calls us to this ever-important thing, don't be a no-show. Listen, did you know that there were 4,342 no-shows in attendance at this year's Super Bowl game? And if I remember right, it was the great rematch of the New England Patriots and the New York Giants. 4,342 bought tickets, and might I add, those tickets are not cheap. They are not cheap, and sometimes they'll scalp them, and they get a lot more money. But 4,300 or so folks didn't even bother to show up. Now, I'm sure some of them died. Right? Man knows not his time. Maybe they got hit by a bus stepping off the curb, going over to where it was, wherever it was. Who remembers, right? Now, I'm, one, I'm sure of one thing. If it was the Buffalo Bills playing, it would, every seat would have been filled. Every seat. I know what you're thinking because it's total disbelief that they made it. Now, wait a minute. Calm down. Calm down here now. This is a real rough group here today. <laughs> Roger didn't hear it. Tell me later, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's true. Of the 73,000 tickets that were sold, only 68,658 showed up for the biggest of all games. Well, I say all that to say what? It's one thing to miss the biggest football game of the year. Quite another thing to miss, to be a no-show in the daily matter of expressing gratitude and thanksgiving to God who gave you breath and gave you the next heartbeat. And yet it's true. People do. They go, they presume on God. They go about every day with little thought about the glory of God, the creation of God, the wonder of life in all of its cavity, the fullness of life, with little thought that they ought to bow their head and thank God for their next meal or for food and clothing and covering. And, and we owe God... Uh, the enormous uh, debt of gratitude for everything, everything, for the gift of life even that we should live to this period of time. We're not guaranteed three score and ten or four score. Read the paper. You'll see that that's so. Well, as a Christian, and if you are, then your daily life, your daily life ought to be filled with words and thoughts of gratitude to the Lord. It's a mark, Ephesians 5, of a spirit-filled, that means a spirit-controlled Christian. That means, and that's God's will for you and I, that we live daily under the control of the Spirit of God. One of those, be being filled with spirit, is, uh, is expressing gratitude in our hearts to God and giving thanks to Him in all 
things. Notice that preposition in all things. Not for all things. That'd be stupid. You get a flat tire, go, oh, well, thank you, God, for that. You know, that's, uh, that's for all. No, it's in all things. But even in that, God is going to teach you. Uh, so we say thank you for that, Lord, in the midst of bad things. I remember when, when my father died. We're to exalt the Lord at all times, and his praises to always be on our mouth. That's Psalm 34, 1. You know, uh, that was the verse, incidentally, that came to mind. With, remember that horrific, terrible accident of that family in the greater Chicago area in that van when something fell off uh, a truck that was poorly inspected and it caused an accident and it burned up all those kids in that family. And it was the dad and the mom that survived and one of their little ones did survive, but they lost like six or seven in the, I don't know if it was the Lakeshore Expressway there in Chicago. Remember that about five, six, seven years ago? And their testimony was just that. He said, Psalm 34, 1 came, I will exalt the Lord at all times. And he encouraged his dear wife at that, that total disaster, that in the midst of it, they would, they would just say, Lord, your God, our God reigns sovereign in the heavens. And his throne, his rule, rules over all. Psalm 103, 19, and so on. And so we are to be that. It's to effervesce with thanksgiving. We can't do it on our own. Well, Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem to give his life for us in Luke's gospel, and that's where he is in the text. And while traveling, and he walked on foot, didn't have a motor ped or a 12-speed or a car, no airplane, He's coming from, going south from Jerusalem. He's walking between, in, in the line between Samaria and, uh, and uh, Israel. While traveling, he's pleased to receive thanks from one and grieve that the vast majority didn't bother to express gratitude by God. It's an inter- or to God. It's interesting to see him express this uh, troublesome sadness or even... Um, uh, He was deeply troubled that men and women, in this case nine men, didn't express gratitude to God. To see his reaction in the text uh, is a a lesson for us for sure. Uh, Only one out of ten we're going to see. And maybe it's only one out of ten that really give thanks to God in life. Have you ever thought about that? I wonder how many people really, and out of the mass of humanity, Live a life of gratitude to God for all things and thank Him. Maybe it's less than one out of ten. I don't know what to make of that ratio. Um, Dr. Riken says, insofar as this, is any sin more characteristic of our fallen race than ingratitude? I think he's probably right in that. Well, two insights calling us to give thanks to the Lord for all of His blessings. And we ought to know, please know, that God welcomes this. He he never misses it. He welcomes your gratitude expression and mine, and he grieves, if we can see it in in the eyes and the questions of the Lord here, he grieves when we withhold it from him, when we do. Uh, Faithy's dear family, and I love it really because one thing I loved about when I started dating her back a long time ago, that her family all loved the Lord, and 
and practiced walking by faith. They were not perfect. They were growing in grace like you are if you know Christ. But in their home, it was a true Christian home. Mine was not so because my dad wasn't saved and the flavor was different than my, with my mom, but so on. But one of the things I remember going down there and being enraptured by that was uh, when things happened and God uh, blessed or answered prayer, even like we talked today in my own family, and Jason mentioned that and others, they would break into praise God from whom all blessings flow. And I, I walk in and they go, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. They would be singing that. I walk in and they're like three or four. I go like, well, what's going on? And God answered prayer. He saved this one. He gave another job opportunity. He this and that. And that, and, and I was kind of caught into the you know, like that's probably the right way we ought to respond. Uh, because if we go like, well, I'll do that on Tuesday. Are you like that? Make a note, I'll do that on Tuesday. It, it, it ain't going to happen. Sorry, Susan, with that English. It ain't going to happen. You know, like we are a million miles away from that on Tuesday, and we are not thinking about it. It's just part of who we are. And, and we ought to give it spontaneously, immediately, before it grows cold in our heart, that blessing of God in the spontaneous walking and singing and expression. And so in our text, two insights calling you to give thanks to the Lord for all his blessings. And uh, let's read our text. Uh, Luke uh, chapter 17, look at verse 11. And on, the way, uh, and on the way to Jerusalem, that could be a sermon in itself. And on the way to Jerusalem, he, that's Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Wow. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, look at these two questions, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, Rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. It wasn't a great faith. It was a faith in a great God made him well. Well, the first insight, we often, like these leopards, we have great needs and we cry out to God to meet them. We cry out to the Lord Jesus, verse 11 through 14. And if you haven't recently, if you live very long, you will. You will. It's living life in a fallen world. Stuff happens. You will. You will cry out to Jesus. Oh, Lord. Help me here. I have. You have. Maybe you're presently doing that. And if not, you will in the days to come. The occasion here is uh, Jesus is on his last journey on earth, heading to Jerusalem. He knew what lay before him. It was his appointment with death. 
his appointment with death. And yet he courageously, he courageously went forward. And, you know, we should do the same thing as we serve our Lord. How often do I say, you all have an expiration date on, your, on you. Do you know that? It's not on the bottom of your foot. You can check. Like, look at it. Maybe it's there. Don't eat by, don't eat past, right? I've ruined a good cup of coffee putting cream that the, the, the date was still good, but the stuff inside wasn't. That happens to a lot of people. You ever no, notice that? They're still around, but they're sort of soured. <laughs> you don't want to mix that into your coffee. It'll ruin a good cup, of, good cup of coffee like that. But we all have that. The Lord has orchestrated all of history. He's the Lord of history. History is his story. He came at the exact moment. It was no accident. God didn't say, well, I didn't know he was going to be born in Bethlehem. You know, I didn't know he was going to live 30 years and John was going to be. No, this is all the plan and purpose of God and the, the, the eternal counsel and decrees of God. And, and now there's a three-year public ministry and it's drawing to a close and he's in the final days of it. He's making his way. He knows what's before him. He's not hiding, but he courageously goes forward. He's going to go into Jerusalem. He's going to weep that last week, the Passion Week. He's going to lay down his life. Nobody's going to take it from him. Certainly wasn't Pilate. It wasn't the Sanhedrin. It wasn't any of the Roman soldiers. He could have wiped them all out. That would have been it. That would have been all. He laid down his life, the gentle good shepherd, the shepherd for the sheep, for you, for me. That's the journey he's on. And I say that we too, if you know him, his mark is on you, journey forward. Keep going forward, courageously looking unto Jesus, resting only in him. Do that until you breathe your last, and what a great day that will be. Absent from the body, present with the Lord, the beauty of heaven. We look around and see the colors outside. Far greater than the splendor of the autumn beauty. Faithy has all these mums in the front. And I took a picture yesterday and sent it to her. I go, like, you should see your mums. They're beautiful. And there's some more budding and all that, the reds and the yellows and then against the green, you know. And uh, she's like, oh, I wish I could see them, you know. Heaven is going to be far past that. Courageously, onward Christian soldiers. Uh, our pastor, family's pastor in uh, Buffalo, New York, at the chapel where, where Taylor and John uh, go to church, the chapel. Uh, pastor Jim Andrews was the founder and pastor of that church and shepherded that church from a church plant. They rented the facility, moved around, finally got a location, and, and it's a sort of a similar story, you know. And uh, God blessed and grew the work. Now they're out in a, in a whole different location. But back in 2000, uh, 2001, it was the same year that Dr. Jim Boyce uh, got pancreatic cancer at 63 uh, and found out in a matter of months was gone to heaven. Another Jim, uh, Jim Andrews, this Jim who founded the, the chapel, uh, it was discovered he had either, it was either pancreatic or liver cancer about the same age, 63 maybe. And uh, he found out around the same time, I go like, 
both of these men have really influenced my life in some great ways. And, uh, and you know, you get something like that, typically uh, you don't live very long. And uh, he was so gregarious. He would preach and go play the piano at the end and sing. And, and I don't know, he knew hundreds of names. He crowned me just an amazing man of that ministry. And, well, in the final days then, he only lived maybe six months from the time eight months from the time he was diagnosed till around Thanksgiving time. And uh, he often wasn't in the pulpit because he was, he was sickly and declining. But <clears throat> in the final weeks, they wheeled him out. My mother said they wheeled him out. And he said, he said folks, I have taught you how to live for 30 or 40 years and how to serve Christ. And now... I have the privilege of teaching you how to die. And he did. He, he taught to be fearless. That's Jesus. He's making his way to Jerusalem. That's you and that's me. Don't be afraid of death. The Lord came to destroy the last enemy, which is death. And, uh, and, and the day came and Dr. Andrews went to glory and we shall see him all too soon. This is Jesus here. He's, and we ought to do the same. Don't, don't be gripped by fear. As, G, as he approaches, uh, and I believe it's Jericho, uh, ten lepers stood outside the town, and they're, they're crying out for his help. Uh, you know, ten of them standing together. Misery loves company, somebody said, right? They're, in the, they're a mixed group. There are nine Jewish uh, lepers and probably one Samaritan. Uh, misery loves company. They're standing together outside of town. The law required that, Leviticus 13. Misery melts former prejudices. It does that too, doesn't it? They're standing with a Samaritan, which they probably never would have done in life, hang around with a half-breed guy, a distant cousin, that they counted to be spiritually uh, filthy and would have nothing to do with the Samaritan. We know that from other places in the Word. But they're out outside the town, and uh, they're lepers. And the Lord approaches, and, uh, and, and he hears their crying out. Well, just a word about leprosy. I've been understanding. It was a death sentence. I mean, we all have a death sentence. We're all under the uh, sentence of death, right? For the wages of sin is death. But uh, leprosy was dying inch by inch, one man put it. Uh, Perhaps uh, it's like HIV today, but more, let me, say, let me suggest to you something else. Uh, it may be more like um, ALS. We're hearing more and more about amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, the Lou Gehrig's disease. We're hearing more and more and more about that. When they have no cure for it, they don't know what causes it, they can describe what happens with it, but uh, it's a terrible disease that you, uh, you die either, if you have, depending what kind you have, the shorter or the longer. If you make three years, that's long. If you go seven, that's like unheard of. Um, it's, it's, it's a terrible disease. Our next door neighbor, we ministered to Diane when she just turned 50 and she got ALS and she died over the course of less than two years. Um, my friend and colleague in the ministry, Pat McGoldridge, a year ago, December, in Michigan, Pat's probably mm, 52 years old, maybe, and uh, it was diagnosed last December with uh, ALS, 
and uh, he, uh, he declined very quickly. And uh, we were able to stay up with Facebook and all that kind of thing with him. But um, he is in a sad way, and not even a year out, he can't use his body. He's uh, in a wheelchair now. Now he can't speak in less than 10 months. He's in such decline and, and, and probably will not be long for heaven, a young man like that. So this leprosy uh, is something similar to that maybe, uh, and it was a horrible disease where your body would just fall off at the joints and just, you know, we take antibiotics uh, for granted. What a great thing. But, you know, penicillin, rot on penicillin was not too long ago. And what a wonderful discovery that was, right? And Jonathan called this week. He's had heavy class, and he sounded horrible. He says, I think I have pneumonia. And I said, well, call Greg and get a Z-Pack or something, <laughs> you know. And he says, sounds terrible. Well, that happened. He got it. And we go like, well, thank you, Lord, for antibiotics. That, that's a recent discovery. Back then, the leprosy and all of that, you just... You were isolated outside the camp, according to Leviticus 13. You, had, you, you could not even have loved ones come near you. They couldn't touch you. Think how powerful touch is. Your, your wife, your children, your family, your greater. You were, you were outside. You were outside the city limits. You hung out in the leper's camp. And that's all that were there and no one else. And the reeking, stinking, rotten flesh in your bodies falling apart joint by joint by joint. And if anyone got near, you got to yell, unclean, unclean. What a horrible thing, not only physically, but how much more even socially. Just think of when you have loved ones, and we've had loved ones die, just the touch and the hug and the hand-holding and, and the warmth. And, and, you know, I've said to faith, you know, if uh, the Lord should take you over a period of time, and you're in bed, I'll be in bed next to you, you know? I'll hug you, I'll hold you, you know? I mean, I couldn't think of not doing other... The lepers couldn't do any of that. Think of a child that's sick, you know? You hold them, you comfort them. None of that. Think of the social, beyond the physical terribleness of this, this disease, isolated, outside the community, no cure, hopeless. They were hopeless, Often this terrible disease, you should know in the Bible, is figuratively used to picture the effect of sin in us. In this way, figuratively, uh, it cuts us off from God. So our sin does that. We're outside of Christ by birth. And sin breaks the fellowship in our life when we sin. Doesn't If we know Christ and we sin openly without daily confession, uh, we, it hinders that relationship just like it would in any normal family when we live in open disobedience to our parents that uh, we need to reconcile that through confession and repentance. Uh, it cuts us off from God. It causes us to be the living dead. It results in no hope. You can read the anatomy of depravity. I call it Romans 3, 10 to 20, and see the whole list of what sin does to us. In any event, see the 10 lepers are crying out to Jesus. They're praying to him. They're, have mercy. Mercy us is the Greek. What a prayer. You know, that's a prayer God hears. You're like, how do I know if God hears my prayer? Here's a good one to imitate. Just, just on your faith, just call out for God's help, God's mercy. And that's what they're doing. They're yelling, mercy me, mercy us, mercy. They couldn't help themselves. 
They don't even specifically mention their need, according to Luke's writing. They're at the end of themselves, and you know what? Spiritually, they're not far from the kingdom. Isn't that right? We have to come to the end of ourselves. We're not saved by works. The law condemns us. Nothing that we do merits any favor, salvific favor to God. Nothing. Uh, Our works condemn us. Uh, And so we come to the cross and we feel the burden of our sin. And we go, I'm helpless. I can't save myself. And we cry out for God's mercy, God's help. He always hears that prayer. Be merciful unto me, a sinner. Isn't that a, we're going to come to that in a few weeks. What a great, what a great short prayer. God always hears that. That's not a bad place to be. It's a good place to be spiritually. Well, D, Jesus hears their prayer. He sees them and he responds. God always responds to such a prayer. Verse 14, we see that. He's not too busy, not too busy, you know, hobnobbing with the city officials or the rabbis, or the chief there. You know, think of all the politics. Are you tired of that? Should we vote this week and be done with it? Right? We need to pray about that. We need to pray about our country and the direction of that forward. A lot of times when uh, the, those uh, running for election, they'll enter in a town, they're going to have a big speech or something. They, they uh, I don't want to say hobnob, but that's the only word that comes to mind. They hobnob with the who's who of the, of the town and of the, faci- uh, of the, of the vicinity, right? The, the big donors and the mayor, if it's of the right party, I guess, or not. And, and so and, and, and this for influence to maximize their time. You know, because they got to go on to the next place. November 6th is coming, so-called in our well, Here he is. He's traveling. Does he go in? He's got, look at this. And there's, I don't want to make more, but he, he has time for the, the bottom of society. I mean, we're talking the, the dregs of the earth. And that's what they thought of, the lepers. And uh, he, he hears them. He responds to them. What great comfort there is as we approach God. Come, dear Jesus, be our God. And we pray to him, and he hears us. And we see it here. And as he, as he hears, and he steps closer to uh, these lepers, and he cares for them, he alone is the hope for the hopeless. He, he rescues the perishing. He cares for the dying. That's the work he's given us to do. We are his hands and his feet. That's what we do through our time and living to give and being generous with our resources and uh, our talents and being a blessing. I pray that for every day for all of us that God make us a blessing to someone today, a word of encouragement, and, and to be looking for that. Do that. Don't, don't be so preoccupied with all the important stuff you're doing, and I'm sure it's very important, but don't be so preoccupied with the things here and now that you lose the greater picture here. The Lord didn't. He's on his way on his last. Hey, look, I only got so much time. Hey, guys, I wish I could hang out with you. Can't get too close. He meets them at their point. Wow, what a blessing there is for us. What a glory in our Savior to see that. Wow, to me, he's not too busy. He cares while rescuing the perishing, caring for the dying. And doesn't he do the unexpected? Doesn't he do? They're asking for help. They don't even mention what it is, right? They thought they could take their need to Jesus even though they were hopeless. He's the last resort. 
and look at the, what, what does the Lord say? In verse 14, he sees him and he says, go show yourself to the priest. Now, uh, can we say that's not what they expected? <laughs> Maybe they heard from Luke 5, the other account that Luke writes, the physician would take note of such diseases and how the Lord handled that and healed that. It would be a particular note, don't you think? And there, he actually touched the leper in five, and maybe the word spread. He was a, he, look, he healed the, that one man with the leprosy. He touched him in that tender expression of care. But here, they're crying out. He doesn't, he doesn't pray with them. Come here, let's pray. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't uh, even, uh, I've got some magical heavenly words here. Yeah, you know, none of that. Nope. None of that. Doesn't even say, you're healed. You know, like some, I've seen some guys on TV do that. Hey, you're uh, healed, right? <laughs> None of that stuff. It's just amazing here. He just goes like, hey, all right, just go show yourself to the priest. Oh, wait a minute. Did we miss something here? <laughs> Back up a few steps here. He did the unexpected. You know, the Lord does the unexpected at times, doesn't he? I mean, we think in terms of A, B, and C. Lord, I got this problem. I've already figured out the options. Uh, well, this would be the best, but eh, you may have plan B or C. You know, <laughs> we do that, don't we, in our little minion thinking? And God has ad infinitum options available. He delights in, in, in showing himself creative and strong and wise, and, and it causes us to wonder because we're going to discover here that he is able to heal, and Luke wants us to know, from a distance, from a distance. And that's not like a phone call. It's like, eh, no problem. And aren't you glad for that? He's in heaven now. Everything stands in his presence, ubiquitous and omnipresence, of course. But his unique presence is in heaven. He's the God-man bodily in heaven. He doesn't need to be right here to minister your healing and your needs and that. Distance is okay. He existed before AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, and all that. Aren't you glad for that? Wow, isn't that neat? From it does the unexpected. And he does it. Does he do that in your life? Does he, he does it in my life. You know, like I go like, wow, I wasn't thinking that. And God answers prayer. He did it in the life of our church a year ago when, when uh, we, we, we saw this property and we go like, oh, it can't be. It can't be. Does the Lord have that for us as grace? Could it be? We had prayed on a main thoroughfare. It's a state road. And uh, look at that property, Lord. I, and then we're going to have to raise money. And I, how can we're not very... And God raised that money up in a matter of uh, six weeks or eight weeks, whatever it was. And go like, could that be? That's not what we were thinking. And then, and then it was like a refining time because when you're sort of ha not really having anything and you're sort of... Uh, you have a form that sort of uh, moves like then different people have different ideas as to what the church ought to be in the future. And, and that really brought that to highlight with something. Like well, that's not really what we were thinking. And we go like, oh, don't leave us. The work is so great. But then God had that. We go like, well, what's God? And the Lord carried us forward, and he continues to do that. And Roger says, we're Gideon's 300. And I said, Roger, I'd love it if we had 300. You know, like, <laughs> and, and the Lord's... Uh, what a surprising way. And, and the different ones that go out on the property, they look around and go like, 
This is God. Oh, you can't explain it any other way. And I want to. I want. I'm going to pray for you. I want to be a part of this. I'm not sure how it's going to unfold, but the Lord doesn't come, and it's exciting. That's our church. And in my own life, the, the Lord does the unexpected, and I hope that's true in your life. You can look at your life and go like, that was a point of sadness, but the Lord carried us through, and he did this and that, and, and man, and I, I just didn't see how he was going to answer that, and, and that's where these lepers are. He does the unexpected. Tells them to go to the priest. He doesn't touch him. He doesn't pronounce anything. Dr. Luke wants us to know he healed from a distance without ever touching him. The last time he touched the leper, not this time. Listen, the Lord works on several planes. Let me give you a clue here. You know, you can jump ahead and read in uh, Acts chapter 6. The church has started. They're in Jerusalem. And in verse 7 of that text, Luke, the same author, now writing in a second volume, the book of Acts, he tells us in Acts 6, and there was a large company of priests that were saved. Now, how do you think they began to scratch their head and think about, well, who is this Jesus? You see, they had, the priest had to memorize the Pentateuch, particularly Leviticus. That's the priestly manual. And they had never had anybody who was cleansed of leprosy like that. Now they got these uh, different ones coming in because the, the, uh, the, the priests were like the social uh, uh, public welfare health department type people by God's design to control disease and infectious disease and to isolate that. They were way ahead of that. When I was over in Qatar recently, we... Uh, uh, we, we, I think we helped save the man's life. I don't know who I, if I told this before, uh, but he was a young engineer who had surgery at Hamid Hospital, and they're still practicing worse than third world. They go room to room and room and hardly wash their hands, the health workers. And, and it's not the surgery. They die of the post-surgery. And I said, get him out of there. my counsel. Get him to Germany. Get him somewhere in the West so that he can, he can be healed. Or that he's going to die of infection. I heard two stories there. Of one's one, in, one gal in her 40 and a guy in his 50. They died of the post-surgery complications of infections and all the, all the stuff that's set in with all of that because of the terribleness of that. Well... Dr. Luke wants us to know that 10 lepers were healed with less than 10 words. And God was going to use that as a great testimony uh, to alert the priest who had memorized Leviticus that Jesus is the Son of God. And the 10 take Jesus at his word, don't they? Like, well, that's not what we expected. A lot of people do that with the gospel, right? They're like, well, I, I, no, I mean, you mean we're saved by faith? Uh, by grace plus nothing? Yes. Well, I don't believe it. Well, you know, that's not what I expect. I thought, you mean I don't have to pay five bucks or be good or keep the golden rule? You know, like, no, you can't do it anyway. And God does certainly doesn't want your money, you know. And, uh, but what? The, uh, the ten it took Jesus at his word. Go show yourself to the priest. Not what they were thinking, but they... They did an about face and started heading up the hill. To her. You go up the hill, you go up to Jerusalem, and that's where the priest and went up there. Maybe it didn't make sense to them, but uh, his word, I have it on your sheet, is, is, is all they had, but it's all they really needed, right? His word was all they had. 
Well, why are, you, why are we? Do, well, Jesus said, "Go." Oh, he, he, he didn't uh, do any any magic or any uh, no band aid, no no medicine, no. He that's just his word. Just uh, act on his word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, uh, and that's uh, that's all they had was God's word. But that's all they needed, and that's true for us, isn't it? That's all we have is the word of God. But that's all that we need is the word of Christ. Wow. And I have a quote, one man writes, faith believes in advance what will only make sense in reverse. <laughs> you know, we want to see the panorama. Lord, show me the view, and I'll tell you if I like it. You know, it doesn't work that way. I could show you, but you would uh, you pass out here. You just... <laughs> But it makes sense in, in reverse. How many times, you know, we're at a point where, Lord, if you don't do this or that, and we go like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't sleep. I'm this and that. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's this and that. And then God does something, and maybe very unexpectedly, and a few shakes and turns of the calendar, and we go like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, well, I figured it was going to work that way, right? <laughs> What's the matter with us? We, uh, anyway, faith believes in advance. The key word there. I'm going to trust Lord and take him at his word. What only makes sense in reverse. Wow. Let me urge you to always respond to Jesus' word. That's all we have. That's all that we really need. Well, often these, like leopards, we have great needs. Needs and, and at times great needs. And we too cry out to Jesus and he hears us. The second insight before we close, verse 15 and 9, often we, like these leopards, are negligent in expressing our thanks to God. We're negligent. We're no-show. We shouldn't be. We ought to be like, uh, some of you don't know Gomer Pyle, right? Some of you do, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I know they do the reruns with uh, Andy Griffin died this year. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, and Gomer Pyle. Gomer, I think, was first, uh, what, was his, what was his real name? Jim Neighbors. Yeah, Jim Neighbors, yeah. And he could sing. Wasn't that a shock when he opened his mouth? Gomer, I said. That's Gomer. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. That was, uh, that was, that ought to be us, really. It ought to be. Unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. I learned that when I was a young kid. I did. I remember my mother shaking me. You know, I don't know if my brother Dale did something, but my mother was in the kitchen, and uh, he did something kind to of me. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I remember I didn't say anything. That's like we do a lot, right? You know, I remember my mother's hand on my shore shaking me. You tell him thank you. <laughs> thank you, Dale. <laughs> Unexpressed gratitude is in. Gratitude. We know what that is. We know what that is. Now say thank you. And we know it from Romans 1, right? We know it. And when the great decline of, uh, of human societies there in Rome and 121 of Romans, in the midst of that, in the early part, and neither were they thankful. And it began the downward cycle where God gave us up, gave us up to our sin and the consequences. God just, you want it, you got it. I'll just let you go. Well, as they were going to the priest, and the text indicates that they turned and began to walk, and it would seem, we're not told, but not very far, all ten of the lepers were instantly healed. Isn't that great? Instantly healed. I mean, their fingers grew back at the joints and the hands and the rest and the rotting flesh. 
It smelled like a baby. Why do babies smell so good? I mean, uh, at certain times of the day, most of the time of the day, you <laughs> had to qualify that. But there is that new smell, that new, that new, well, it's gone. I don't have it. But uh, that new baby smell, it, it, it does. Am I right, ladies? Most of the men can't smell very good anyway, but uh, it, it is true. I bet that smelled like baby brand new flesh there and all that instantly healed. And, you know, in a small way, I just have to think, it's a picture of our future glorified bodies. I mean, we're looking pretty leprous, right? As we get older, it's kind of decrepit and laying around. And so I treat me in faith and want to know, did you do too much yesterday? Are you hurting? I go like, no, but I don't like it. Everyone's kind of watching out saying, don't, Pastor, remember your hip. Don't, uh, treat me like I'm handicapped. And she goes, well, I hope you listen to him, she's telling me on the phone. You know, like, well, I don't know, Mike talked to me, and I did a little better. But, you know, I like to be in the thick of it. No, you're, no, she goes, no. And that's the way it is. We're sort of like getting more, and, and you can say amen anytime you want. You want to. <laughs> I didn't mean to point you out. I'd point all of us out, but yeah, it's that way. And someday in heaven, guess what? You know, or like I don't know if it's going to be that new baby smell, but it's going to be all put back together, better than ever. You're going to certainly look better than ever, and and I'll return the favor, and it's going to be leaping and jumping and praising God, silver and gold. Have I none such a leaping? He's pra- that's that's your future if you know Jesus. Isn't that great? Here's a picture of it right here. Wow. I can't wait. Wow. Well, but only one returns. Verses 15 and 16, only one, uh, Luke underscores, returns to praise God and give thanks. It was right for him to, to return and to praise God. Only one. And in fact, the, the Luke says he was a Samaritan. Like, imagine that, a foreigner, an outsider at that. Someone who wasn't raised in the nation of Israel as a Jew. And he comes near now. How about that, the text? Before he had to stand away. Now he's coming near. Throws him. He's praising God. Praises up. Worship is down. Praising God. And he throws himself at the feet of the Lord. He's no longer a leper. And he's worshiping God. It's a glorious picture, really, of the expression of thanking. And in the, in the original language, he didn't say, you know, uh, he gave thanks. No, he gave it and gave it and gave it and gave it and gave. He kept saying, thank you, thank you. Gomer Paul, even more on steroids. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow. Wow. I asked the question, why is our prayer our, our urgent, deepest prayer, why is that easier than our praise? Why is that? Well, Spurgeon wrote on that, and he said, there are far more who are prone to pray in a time of need than to praise God when God meets that need. Why is that? Why is that? It shouldn't be. It says something about our sinful bent. I hate it in me. Oswald Chambers, speaking on the same topic, said, the great, get this now, the great difficulty spiritually is to concentrate on God, and it is his blessings that make it difficult. Trouble nearly always makes us look to God. His blessings, the things he gives us and what we enjoy, are apt to be the things that make us look elsewhere. And that's, it's, it's, it's a dilemma. It's it, it just, bitterness requires that you live in the past. Some of you may struggle with that. Get out of the past, move to today, 
Hope requires that you live for tomorrow. Gratitude not only allows you to enjoy the present, but keeps you looking toward the future. Not bad. Well, he comes near. Lesser things, like appearing before the priest, that could wait. First things first. That's not a bad principle. I have, I have a number of things, little, little pithy sayings like that, that help govern my day-to-day life. And that's one of them. First things first. It's easy to memorize, right? First things first. I've taught it to my kids. And uh, first things first. Sir. He's going to go back, give thanks to the Lord. The priest and all that could wait. He's coming to give praise to the Lord. Well, all ten had the, great, uh, the greatness of God pressed upon them, but only one returned. One man writes, It's always surprising to find that ingratitude is so common among people. Well, see, Jesus expressed his disappointment, and the other nine in verses 17 and 18, they were the no-shows. His, his two questions should meld our heart. Were not ten cleansed? You think the Lord's seeking information? Like, uh, wait a minute, did I get the number wrong here? No, no. he's driving home into our hearts uh, uh, some conviction here. And he wants us to know. And where, where are the nine? Where are the nine with sadness? Where are the nine? We tend to, we tend to here's a quote, we tend to think of ingratitude as a minor sin. And we do, don't we? we that's, a, that's a minor sin. Yeah, it's not like... You know, some of the gross sins and the awful sins. I mean, it's not murder. You know, we go like that. It's ingratitude. I mean, it just seems to be a whole lot less weight, right? We think of it as a minor sin, but in fact, it's one of the worst sins in the Bible. Ingratitude is a way of saying that God owes us whatever he gives us. It's that entitlement, like, uh, Lord, you, you, I deserve that. I, you owe that to me. Right? Ingratitude's like that. And, uh, and that we owe him nothing in return. We're just getting our just reward. Thus, it's a complete reversal of our real position, namely that he owes us nothing and we owe him everything. And that's why it's one of the worst sins in the whole Bible. It's really pride, right? It's really pride. I've, I have a far higher view of myself than what I ought. And I'm not thinking rightly about myself. Well, the Lord is pleased. He is pleased when we express our gratitude to him for all things. Do you count your blessings? Do you thank God for him? I hope you do. Remember, at its core, thanksgiving is an act of humility. It is. It acknowledges our debt to the Lord, and when we're thankful to each other, our debt to each other. Well, lessons for our life. Take your sheet. Let's look at that. I like to think of... uh, Uh, Living a life of gratitude because of all that God has done for us in Christ. He's our maker. He's our redeemer, if you know him. And uh, the expression of gratitude ought to be like breathing. You breathe, you don't even think about it. Uh, The brain controls that operation. Unless you're swimming and holding your breath, you're not not really thinking about breathing. And, and, And gratitude, when our hearts are right, ought to be just like that. Make it your practice to intentionally give thanks to the Lord for all his blessings. Be intentional in the expression of gratitude. Do that to him in prayer. Do that during the day. Uh, You know, I talk to all sorts of people as I move in about, 
and I just give thanks to the Lord uh, before all people. And, then, and, and, and I know that they know God. The Bible tells us intuitively everybody knows God. And I just, whether I'm at the Y or at the coffee shop or at the market or wherever I might be, well, I thank the Lord. for. They'll say, well, how's your wife? Well, I thank the Lord for her. And, and uh, you, you know, not that it's the language of Zion, but I just, I want to effervesce with that gratitude before all men. And God may use that to prick their hearts and say, well, you know, like, well, what is it about it? What makes him tick? It's the love of the Lord. It's the gospel. It's the treasure of Christ in us. And, uh, and so it ought to be like breathing on that. Number two, be prompt and attentive and active in giving thanks. Be prompt and active, right? We already uh, referred to this. Calvin said, we have short memories and magnifying God's grace. Short and getting shorter. Don't wait till Tuesday. Don't wait, that would be so far filed in the back. Do it right now. Every blessing that God confers upon us perishes through our carelessness. If we are not prompt in giving thanks, how true. Maybe you need to sing like I learned Faithy's family, sing her mom and dad. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below when he does wonderful things in our life, maybe answers the prayer and the like. Number three, Jesus often does the unexpected thing in our life. <laughs> maybe that's what we ought to expect, the unexpected. I mean, that's where the, go show yourself to the priest. Now, wait a minute, Lord, didn't we miss a few things here? <laughs> well, right down to the, wow. And, and I didn't even say, because we didn't have time, but it's another case where the majority's wrong. Did you notice that? I'm sure the ten had a discussion among themselves, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, holy macro, <laughs> what should we do? And they, well, and the Samaritans, we definitely have to go back and thank the Lord. And the others go like, nah, 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 let's, let's just make our way. And we have no record that they ever returned and gave thanks to Jesus. And so be intentional about it. Expect the unexpected. He is God. He loves to be amazed uh, when we're amazed at him and give him all the glory. Number four, is your desperate prayer, Lord, help, easier than your praise? Change it. Change it. Change it. I don't know how to tell you how to do it, but change it. We cry out to God, cry out to God, cry out to God. And we're like, oh, thanks, Lord. <laughs> or maybe not even that much. Change it. Oh, my. Sing. Now, number five, uh, know that the Lord is grieved when we love his gifts more than he, the gift giver. He's grieved. Were there not nine? Were there not nine? That ought to mean something to you. I hope you never forget that. Were there not nine? Were that not nine? And may that rebuke me and rebuke you and urge us to be men and women of gratitude. Number six, perhaps you've never received Jesus as your Savior. I don't know. But the door is open today. Christ died and he welcomes you to come in the quietness of your heart. I can be a help and, and a midwife in that and point you to the Savior and pray with you. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today, and you shall be saved and have eternal life today, today. Jesus is calling. He says, come. Well, the Super Bowl had a lot of no-shows. Don't you be a no-show in this whole business of expressing gratitude to the Lord. Don't be a no-show, especially if you're here and you don't know Christ. If you don't know him, you'll be a no-show in heaven. 
Think about that. Whoa, don't want to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the day and for this glorious text. Thank you, Lord. Make us those that effervesce with gratitude in our hearts to the Lord. And may we be a blessing to all that we should meet as you lead us on in our lives individually, our life as a church family. May we be a blessing and give you thanks for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's, uh, let's do this. Are we, are we going to? We're, we're ready. Okay. Let's, uh, let's form a big circle around and let's uh, grab onto somebody's hand. And, uh, and let's form whatever circle we can. And then we're going to um, we're gonna sing, Bless Be the Tie. Let's, uh, let's pray first. So let's have a prayer first. And then uh, we'll yeah. sing, bless be the tie, and then don't leave, because we need to have you um, line up against the wall, and we're going to take a, take a picture of everybody. There we go. Here, Rob, let me get you. I think we should all come. All right, uh, John, you're going you're gonna to have to lead us. Are you going to pray first again? Let, yeah, let's pray first. Okay. We'll pray. Oh, you can yeah. have the mic still, right? Yeah, we need them. Yeah. Okay. All right, we're waiting for the kids to come in. Get Mark and Myers. They're coming. Well, they may have to. Mark. Yeah, they're figuring out that they can't go out around the chairs. They yeah. have to go Mark. through the chairs. Yeah, that's good. He's already got his. You're, you're Jean. I'm just All right, looking good. Okay. Looking good. All right, we got to close the gap. Connect. Come on, Mark. Jason. Brandon, uh, Jason, Susan, let's close the gap. Spread them out. <laughs> Poor Johnny. Come on, you can move them out. There we go. Come on. Spread them out. We gotta on, we gotta close right the gap. Close the gap. Okay, we're Hold gonna we're gonna ask the uh, <laughs> the the uh, three elders to offer a short prayer of God's favor and blessing, then I'll close. And then John's gonna lead us in, blessed be the tie. All right, uh, Mark, uh, Galen, and Raj.
Oh, Father, we thank you again for this wonderful day as we begin a brand new beginning, Father, that you would lead us, that the banner of the cross would be raised high, that all would know that we're a people that love you and desire to serve you, and that we would say with Paul, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Favor the work of our hands, Lord, we pray, establish them and favor them for thy glory's sake in this work of the gospel. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead. Okay, we're going to try to do this musically, which means there may be an ever so slight pause at the end of some of the phrases. <laughs>
Okay, uh, where's the, is that the best wall, Ron, Steve, for us to take that? Everyone just kind of stand. What? All right, let's go stand up. Under the model? Yeah, okay, that, that's a good under the model. I like that. All right, let's kind of get a couple of rows here. And uh, we're going to have a few pictures taken. And then our men can uh, do the final cleanup. Carry out. Thanks, Rob.